0: Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon Well many of you probably know that I am a football fan But what you probably don't know is that when I want to watch a game I commonly record it either and watch it afterwards or either just wait 30 minutes maybe even an hour so that when I'm watching it, I just start from the beginning, and we'll just say, I even know the score potentially of the entire game by the time I get to it. This is my tactic. Now, why would I do this? I have five reasons. Number one, I don't have to waste time with the commercials. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Number two, I can watch the game when it is most convenient for me. Amen? Amen? Amen. And number three, I don't waste my time rooting for my team and getting my hopes up only to have them dashed at the last minute when the other team scores and I lose. Amen? (laughs) Number four, I don't have to worry knowing that my team has won while watching the game because I can just relax and enjoy it. Amen? Number five, I don't have to waste precious time watching a game that's boring, low scoring, or poorly played. Amen? Amen? And of course, if you don't like football number six, then you got number six. Okay. Now, you might think this is cheating. So be it. Or wimpy. That's fine. But see, why should I get my hopes up and my anxiety and my blood pressure up and raised and stressed out to be disappointed if there was a loss? I mean, especially when this game doesn't have any matter in terms of eternity. Right? Right? Yeah, okay. I mean, and think about this. Stress kills us. Why would I voluntarily put myself under that? See, my plan is to live forever. I don't know about you. So you see, this is really actually an analogy for faith. Our Christian faith in particular. What I mean, look at it this way. In terms of like a game or a war, there is a war between good and evil. Between Satan and God. But see... The game has already been determined. The result is already known. See, God has already won. Despite our battles and our own losses. Despite tragedies and the deaths that befall us. Or befall our loved ones. Despite the immense suffering and heartache that we all experience. See, the prize of heaven has been already offered to us. And how is that? Well, that's because Christ has crushed death. Satan and his demons. He died and rose again. And the consequences of this victory is eternal joy in heaven for us. You see, the contest is more lopsided than, let's just say, the Philadelphia Eagles. If you don't know, they're the current ranked highest team in the NFL with our own Holy Trinity's first-grade flag football team. And no, we don't even have one of those. So, but you get my point, right? It is not even fair. Well, let's just say Jesus has no rival. Satan poses no threat to him. And Jesus is not worried. Why? I mean, because we're worried. Why isn't Jesus worried? Because he's already won. See, for us, the game hasn't quite ended yet. But our knowledge of the outcome of that game, of our life, is reason to hope. There will be all kinds of obstacles. We already experienced them. Sufferings and tragedies in our lives. And I don't mean to diminish any of those. But see, thankfully, we know the outcome ultimately in the end. See, we, as Deacon Brett mentioned last week, and we need to keep the heart of the matter front and center in our hearts. We need to make sure that everything we're doing is about Jesus, because life is all about Jesus. Not that football game. Even as a football fan, I say that. Even more, we are when we have an abiding relationship with Jesus, all the more that hope then transcends and pierces those skirmishes or deepest darknesses that we suffer in our lives. I see this in funerals. The families have the most hope while they grieve, they are joy-filled. They may even laugh and remember their loved one and giggle. That's not because they don't have faith, it's because they have faith. This is the message that St. Paul wrote in Thessalonians, and I'll repeat it. He wrote, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose. See, my friends, the consequences of his death and resurrection is one of glory for him in heaven, along with us who will follow after him. That's our hope. But while in this world, we don't have to just wait for it, Because we see glimpses of what awaits. And that emboldens our hope for eternity. And things like the gentleness of a baby sleeping. Friends who embrace each other after a long, long separation. The recovery of someone who had a long illness. The passion of lovers in a marital embrace. The glory of a sunset or a sunrise. Or the view of the cosmos from the James Webb telescope. That's for me. (laughs) There are also things, though, that can steal away our hope. Which we must be aware of. Because they all come our way. Like suffering. Like war. Like terrorism. Corruption. Just the news. That's enough right there. Worry. Cynicism, gossip, division, accusation, arrogance, pride, and just these are few, just a few of them. Chuck Colson, former Watergate hatchet man, turned evangelist, said this: "Where is the hope? I meet millions of people who feel demoralized by the decay around us. The hope is that each of, us ha- each of us has is not in who governs us or what laws we pass or what great things we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. And that's where our hope is in this country. And that's where our hope is in life. The words of Chuck Colson remind us that the power of God's presence is in us and it is very potent. And we are to go out and share God's power so that others may find hope in a hopeless world. You see, in the final analysis, God wins. He's got this. And that, my friends, is the reason to have hope.